the shaming of women post their reproductive years has to be challenged because there is no longer truth in that story. I firmly believe from researching for the last three years, along with working with women on the ground, the story needs to change from the overwhelmingly negative to something that is very, very manageable once we have the right information and supports. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. So welcome to In the Doctor's Chair, where today I'm really pleased to be talking about Midlife Women Rock, a story for a new generation of women. I'm joined by Breda Birmingham, a former practicing midwife and public health nurse who has most recently been working with women on menopause and the interconnected dimensions of this universal midlife stage. Breed's master's research has resulted in the Midlife Women Rock Project, including her recently published book of the same title. I was delighted to be asked to write a piece for the book on mindfulness entitled Midlife, Crisis or Opportunity. The book and Breed's public engagements both inform and educate women to acknowledge the tremendous skill set they have developed by midlife. Breda encourages women to consciously transition during menopause and to empower society to change the age-old narrative around this life stage, to reframe and move the dial towards an enlightened, empowered future, and for all of us to stay curious, to never stop starting to take better care of yourself. If you're a leader who recognizes, particularly since COVID-19, that living with vitality and building a more resilient mind matter now more than ever for you and your team, then this podcast is for you. For further details, visit drmarkrow.com. So I'm really delighted to be joined in the doctor's chair today by Breda Birmingham, who is a tremendous advocate for positive health and all things positivity in terms of the menopause. Breda, you're very welcome to the doctor's chair. Can I ask you where your passion for menopause and positive health really has come from? I guess, Mark, when I look back over um, my working life, I have been a midwife and a public health nurse for for many years. And I'd work with women, um, mainly mothers, I guess, over, over that time. And what was very interesting is when I started researching menopause, um, a lot of what I was reading just wasn't resonating with me around when women meet challenges in their lives, which we do all of the time Mm -hmm. with the right support, information, education, we can kind of overcome those challenges. And I had asked myself this question, what was so different about menopause when this was the early days, let's say back in 2018, when I was researching. And what I've discovered that is that there is no preparation, no education or no widely accessible information and support available. And as a result of that, Far too many women are arriving into perimenopause, menopause with in crisis because they haven't been prepared or they haven't got the information 
around this time in life. And I mean, when I look back at 2018, I myself never heard the word perimenopause prior to that. I never realised that there were 34 plus different symptoms associated with menopause and perimenopause. Mm. So it's the information deficit is causing a lot of the issues, I firmly believe. Yes. And, you know, a term I use is health IQ, which really means for me having the knowledge, awareness and attitudes to make good choices and decisions when it comes to your health and well-being. And I think a lot of people, through no fault of their own, but they that their health IQ can be better. And there's often a gap in terms of knowledge or health and awareness. And, and what you're saying really is when it comes to menopause and women's health, that has been a big gap. Yes. And if we look at the cultural and the societal story around menopause, mm. that needs to be changed challenged dramatically because the, the story we've been handed down over the generations is a massively negative story. It's mm-hmm. it's around crisis, loss, degeneration, disease. And I often equate it with puberty and pregnancy. As teenagers move through puberty, yes, a certain percentage are going to find puberty difficult, but the overarching story around puberty is not negative. The same with pregnancy. Certain percentages of women are going to find pregnancy and childbirth difficult, but the overarching story around this time in life is Mm. not massively negative. But menopause, again, every woman goes through menopause and this story we've been handed down Uh, which is coming from the shaming of women post their reproductive years has to be challenged because there is no longer truth in that story. I firmly believe from researching for the last three years, along with working with women on the ground, the story needs to change from the overwhelmingly negative to something that is very, very manageable once we have the right information and supports. Yes. And do you think that reflects a wider change in society? You know, that, you know, I must say in my own practice, um, I work with a phenomenally talented team of people who who are almost all women, actually, and they are tremendous and bring so much to the medical practice that I work in. I really think that women can make fantastic leaders and we need more women in leadership throughout all aspects of society. Do you think that's part of this, Brida? Yes, and I think what's happened with menopause, we're looking at the demographics, Mark. Mm. Today, we have more women moving into and through their 50s who are educated in the workplace and economically independent. And these women are starting to use their voice. And this is the fundamental difference, their voice and agency. And and this is in the world stage, let's say I'm, I'm taking this research from, that more women are deciding to step step up and and to speak up. And if we want change and we want the status quo to change, in particular around women in their 50s, let's say moving through menopause, it's going to take people like myself and many others here in Ireland and the UK having the courage to speak up and say there's something wrong here. You know, something has dramatically gone wrong in the framing and the characterization of women who reach menopause and it needs to change. And I suppose the best way to encourage and inspire change is to be the change yourself, to become an advocate, to become more knowledgeable about, you know, menopause or or about your health in general. I mean, one of my reflections as a GP over many years is how people are aging so much better nowadays, Breda. I mean, in many ways, 90 is the new 60. Biological aging is really 
changing everything. Yes. And and when I work with, with women, um, I also ask them to sit in the, uh, the rocking chair at 90 and look back. If you're looking back then to your 40s and 50s, I mean, mm. what, you know, and think about what should I prioritize and your health, yourself, you know, the self-care piece is huge and Absolutely. for women to drop the guilt. So many women feel guilty about mm. investing in themselves, spending time on themselves. So that's another change that kind of needs to happen, I think, in society for women to realise, you know, that they should come first. Whereas when it comes to, I think, too often in society, women put everybody else before their needs before their own needs. And mm. that's having negative repercussions on, on health and, and well-being. I think you're absolutely right. I've seen it's something I've seen so many times is not just women, but mainly women will will neglect their own self-care in terms of their own health and well-being because they're so busy looking after everybody else. But it isn't an either or. It can be the best of both in the sense that by prioritizing your own self-care needs, by choosing to value yourself, because in many ways it's a valuing idea as well, and to invest some time and energy in your own self-care, everybody around you is going to benefit from that. Your partner, people you work with, your family, your friends, everybody you're in contact with will benefit from you taking good care of yourself. But unfortunately, so many people see self-care as either something that's selfish or something that they just don't have time for and they don't prioritize. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with, with, with everything you said there. And that selfish piece, again, it's mm. a kind of a, that's intergenerational, I think, with women mm. and What's, what is truly amazing, and I've seen this with women that I've worked with, is that when they decide to really put themselves first, they, ha- they then have the energy to give to others. You see, there's a kind of a paradox there. there is. Being selfish and putting yourself first means you're going to have a lot more energy then, and your relationships will, with everybody around you are going to improve, provided you start to put yourself first. It's like the ripple, I guess, and the, the pebble in the stream. When you drop the pebble in the stream, the ripple starts from the inside, and it's the same with self-care. You have to start with the self and everything around you then improves if you start prioritizing self-care. I don't know, are you familiar with Maya Angelou? Um, yes. Beautiful uh, American yeah. writer. And mm. she said, you may uh, write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but just like dust, I'll rise. And that's just a real-time reflection I had just, just listening to you there, Brida, because you are so inspiring in terms of your you know, message of empowerment for women's health. Mm. And of course, Maya Angelou said, we all have two hands, one hand to reach out and support others, but the second hand to reach back and take good care of yourself. So it's the, really is, is not an either or, it's the, it's the best of both. I guess what motivates me as well, Mark, is like if we look at the statistics around um, midlife women, when it comes to mental health, I mean, for women and girls across the lifespan, the highest rates of mental health, uh, the CSO statistics 2019 show that between 2001 and 2018 in Ireland, the highest rates were in women between the ages of 45 and 60. And suicide rates, <clears throat> the highest is at 51. They are the CSO mm-hmm. statistics here. The UK are similar. There was also an OECD report in 2019 
that show that benzodiazepine prescribing amongst women over the age of 60 is 40% higher in, in women than in men in, in Ireland. Now, when I was looking at these statistics, when I was researching, I was saying, what is going on? What's, what is wrong here? And what was great two weeks ago, St. Patrick's Mental Health Services and the National Women's Council of Ireland, they decided to host a, a seminar on midlife women and mental health. And mm-hmm. the seminar within three days, it was there were 400 places, it was filled and there were quite a number of women on the waiting list. So it's an area that has been overlooked, mental health in, mid, in, in our midlife years, mm. and um, needs a lot more um, spotlighting, I, I feel. Well, you're right about the midlife um, mental health being an issue. I mean, if you look at happiness among different age groups, there is a U-shaped curve of happiness, and happiness dips down to being at its lowest for people in their late 40s. And then when you get into your 50s, happiness levels tend to keep increasing right up into, into, into late old age. So there is something about mid age, there are a number of factors, of course, in the mix. And Mm. of course, menopause is right there in the middle of them for women. Yeah, yes. And I guess the silence piece, you see, we've stayed silent for so long around, let's say, menopause. And it's in breaking that silence that we can bring more supports into the, the public domain. And that's what's happening in the UK now. I mean, um, within the workplace, politicians have are, are coming on board, and um, it was wonderful to see the Department of Health respond to the Joe Duffy show here in Ireland. I mean, Joe Duffy is um, the live line. That's going to be a marker event, I think, in history when it comes to midlife women and menopause, because mm-hmm. it was the first time ever on the public airwaves we were discussing um, menopause. And the reason it was uncomfortable for many is the taboo mark. And the problem with taboos is that they're there, there's conformity mm. and taboos are associated. So if something is a taboo, there's shame associated with it. And mm. I love the work of Brené Brown oh, and yes. Simon Sinek, you know, and mm-hmm. Brené is all about vulnerability, this power yes. of vulnerability. If we open up and we start talking about things, mm. you, you'll remove the shame. And yes. that's what's happened around menopause. The mm. shame is keeping us silent and we blindly continue to accept that or we decide we're going to speak up and we're going to bring more support and more help. And also the positives, there are huge positives associated with moving through menopause, but they've been overshadowed for decades and decades by the, the negatives and uh, they need to be brought out to the fore. Well, it's a, you know, I like to talk about this idea about, you know, never stop learning, never stop growing, never stop starting at every stage in your life. Um, it's, it's about growth and about possibility. And you're never too old. It's never too late for you to develop a new career, take up a new hobby, choose to take better care of your health. And, you know, I really, I really believe in that. And the people I see who have aged the best stay open, stay, stay a learner and stay curious and stay connected. Yes. Yeah, Stay yeah. and the, the the mindset. Let's say having that that growth mindset, mm-hmm. as, as you mentioned, there is so so important. And to be curious, you know, as you're moving to, as well through your middle years, to to be curious and and um, you know wonder about life and the meaning the meaning of menopause or the meaning of midlife mm. is some it's a, it's an area that has been kind of again overlooked, but it's hugely important um, to both men and women. I think as as we transition through these years, and um, I talk in my book about the four di- understanding the four dimensions. Let's say to thrive through your your menopause. And they would be, first of all, you get on top of your physical, 
symptoms, then you, there are emotional and psychological shifts that are happening. And um, there's a lot of work done around healing. And mm-hmm. then there's also the spiritual, which is the fourth dimension. And Professor Lisa Miller from Columbia University has done an awful lot of um, research into the the power of spirituality and utilizing spirituality uh, when it comes to resilience and yes. wanting to thrive. That's all part of our transition as we're moving through these years. Um, and to tap into the four will help us thrive through this middle time in, in, in our lives. Well, Breed, I think that's all wonderful because for me, you know, mind, body, heart and spirit are all very much interconnected elements of your well-being, allowing you to live with more vitality. And you really can't really think about one element without also considering the others. They are so interconnected and interwoven within us. Tell me about the book. I love the name Midlife Women Rock. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Well, the book has come from the, let's say I started the project back in 2019 on Facebook, mm. the Midlife Women Rock Project. And that then led me to um, Social Entrepreneurs Ireland. They helped me to set up the Midlife Women Rock Cafes, which uh, were run for six months in the Waterford Hill Park. And we've since then we've gone on to Zoom. And last year, I decided to go back and uh, research menopause further because I see it as this big puzzle. We haven't all the pieces yet um, in the puzzle. And it's a story that is continuing to evolve. And what you mentioned there, Mark, about, you know, as human beings, we have all these different dimensions to us. And Mm. talking about, let's say, the, the hormones only, you know, the hormones and the hormonal deficit, it's a really important part of the puzzle. But there are other parts of this puzzle. And, and, and until you decide to you know, embrace the different parts of the puzzle, you're not going to fully thrive through these, these years. So I went back, I did a, um, a research master's last year in Maynooth, and I interviewed uh, women in Ireland on their experiences and understandings of um, menopause. And I had a, a wonderful supervisor, Dr. Mary Benson, and she imparted to me the power of stories and listening mm. to people's stories. So in listening to women's stories, this rich tapestry of the lived experience of women um, came true. And um, I just thought it was just too wonderful not to put it into um, a book. So the book kind of evolved from my master's and from working with the many, many women that I have done so in over the past two years. So it's a, a map and a compass for women and men if they want to learn all about menopause. But it's also I'm challenging the taboo and I'm asking why have we stayed silent for so long as women around this highly significant transition in our in our lives it, it is highly significant and it's been hidden and it's remained hidden for too long and it needs to be brought into the the public domain so that's what i'm hoping with the book it will generate conversations and um, provide information for people well i think it's going to be a wonderful addition to the conversation and i suppose none of us can change the past you know and in many ways it's it's research and development but we can all learn from it and we can use today as a new starting point to make sure we create a better future for not just the next generation of women but for the current generation so they can experience more more quality of lived experience uh now and uh, Mark, I look at what's going on in the UK. It's grassroots women that are that are coming into this space that was previously occupied, let's say, by doctors or male doctors. And the story is changing because of the the shift. And that 
first was brought to my attention when I attended the Meg Matthews Menopause Conference in the UK in 2019. It was a conference organised by women for women. And this is not, I'm not bashing men in any way here, but it was a different conference. Louise Newson, Dr. Louise Newson, the menopause doctor, was the, um, the medical lead on the day. And she passed the comment that, you know, for years she'd been attending menopause conferences, but they were just medically based. It was all about the medical um, parts of, of, of menopause. But the conference that Meg Matthews organised was all about the, the holistic and this, mm. you know, that there are so many different areas to women's lives and so many different dimensions to us as human beings. Like there's the psychological, the emotional, the feeling, and then our thoughts. And I mean, our thoughts are massively, they massively impact how we respond to something like menopause. And I mean, there's research out there that if we're coming into this time in our lives and we're coming in with a massively negative attitude, that's going to impact our symptomology. Denial, fear, stigma, shame. They were the narratives. And that was the rhetoric that was coming out of my own research from women here. There's no doubt there's a huge connection between the mind and the body, between, you know, the heart and, and the brain, you know, the heart brain connection. And, and certainly, you know, how we think and how we feel can have a massive impact on how we behave and on how we actually experience, you know, lived reality every day. So, you know, learning to embrace a more positive mindset, a more growth mindset, as you said earlier, Brida, can really make a big difference to really move the conversation from what have I lost here to how can I grow and learn here? Yes. Yeah, completely, completely. And you see, the, when I go back to the old story, Mark, the old story was massively, it's massively negative and it's having a massive impact on women and how they're mm. experiencing the menopause. And that has to change. You know, it really needs to change. And um, this is just the first step, mm. let's say, you know, doing the, uh, producing the book and um, setting up the Midlife Women Rock project and, and the cafes. It's all about moving the dial when it comes to um, this time in, in in our lives. Well, I think it is changing because I think more people than ever are looking for more purpose and meaning in their lives. More people than ever are embracing a more holistic view of health and well-being. More people than ever are really willing to embrace the idea of self-care and to take really good care of themselves. And I think in terms of menopause as well, Brida, thanks to your leadership and the leadership of other people as well, that that train has left the station. So I think we are moving into a more enlightened empowered future for people. Can I ask you, Brida, you know, sometimes I ask people to talk about their best possible future self. So it's a very interesting exercise in positive psychology, you know, just to picture yourself maybe three years into the future. So if it was three years from now, Brida, and you know, you're looking back and everything you're working towards everything you're hoping to achieve, whether it's in terms of, you know, the, the midlife women rocks, the menopause areas, um, travel, health, personal development, anything. Um, what would that future look like for you? Wow, three years. Okay. I don't usually plan too far, too far ahead. I'd like to think, Mark, that I would have the courage to just keep keep going forward because for me setting up this was I completely stepped outside the comfort zone Good on so you. and and in writing the book I'm also stepping um, outside my comfort zone so um, yeah I'd like to continue to um, have the courage to move forward with the empowerment piece around uh, women as they move through their their menopause years I see it as a, a massive injustice that we 
we don't have the preparation, education and widely available um, information. And hopefully the government have committed here in Ireland to um, an education and awareness campaign. And I think that will be a massive game changer. And hopefully it will be, um, you know, it will come within the next uh, two to three months. So, yeah, that's where I hope to be in, in three years time and healthy. Um, I'd like to get back into yoga. I, I, I practiced yoga for about 10 years and I had our number four at, uh, at home as a result of practicing yoga. But I've, I've given it up for the for the last few years. But I'd like to get back again and start practicing. That's great. So would you say that's your gap right now in terms of a healthier version of you to really get back, build that habit of yoga back into your life? Yes. And flexibility as we as we age as well. I was reading recently the importance of remaining flexible, prevention of injury. And I play tennis two or three times a week, which is wonderful. But when it comes to flexibility, again, in our, our middle years, um, again, what's wonderful working in the UK is that with the conversation has opened up, let's say it's they're about a year ahead of us here. And when it comes to our bone health, our pelvic floor health, issues around relationships they have moved the dial that little bit further so like pelvic floor physio physiotherapists now are you know they're, they're becoming the norm and for women in their 50s to actually decide to rather than take on board let's say the the incontinence narrative that's there that if you're incontinent at 50 you're going to be incontinent for the next 40 years they're challenging it the physio, a lot of many many physios i've quite a number of friends and um it's about you know you're never too old to start to, to look after yourself and it's the self-care bit as as you mentioned mark um mm-hmm. that's so important yeah never never stop starting to take better care of yourself yeah. i think it's fantastic Rita. for me listening to you and looking at you i see you as being a very very passionate person a very resilient person can you give our listeners three take for a resilient mindset. Again, I'm because I work with women, I guess, Mark, I don't want to be sexist here, but I think women need to believe more in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in particular, you know, in middle age, because when we're coming into menopause, we it's quite normal for our uh, confidence to drop. Um, and quite a number of women have, have told me that they have a, a dip in confidence. But uh, so the beliefs in, in ourselves is, is so important, as well as having the support of other women. I mean, I wouldn't have um, continued with the, the Midlife Women Rock Project or cafes, only that I had other women supporting me, encouraging me. And with the book, it's been a massive collaboration of different women that have helped out and the voices of many, many women. Um, there's a huge thanks to those women for allowing their their voice to be heard the second thing about resilience would be gratitude i'm Mm. i've been a believer in gratitude for years sister stan i'd be a big fan of for many many years um and i i i've taught our children to um you know at the end of each day go as they go to bed you know to find something that you're grateful for no matter how bad your day is and uh, i usually start every morning with when i before i get out of bed i, I say i'm very grateful for the the night a night a good night's sleep i love my sleep so um <laughs> it's wonderful <laughs> Um, and then to stay curious and open-minded as we're moving through our middle years, there's loads of research out there that um, that's a lot of fulfillment and meaning you'll find it if you stay curious and open-minded. Mm, I think there, there, there are three great tips, Brida. Thank you. And finally, can I ask you, Brida, for you, what's the meaning of life? 
but we're, we're only here once, Mark, definitely. Mm-hmm. We're only here once and I think we should make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, family is hugely important to me. My um, my immediate family and my extended family. My mum turn, turns 85 next month and she's That's in great health, thank, thankfully. So I think we should try our best to really enjoy it. And if we can give back in some way, that's important. Absolutely. Well, Brida, a word you've used several times during our conversation today uh, has been the word courage. And I think you have courage in spades. And of course, courage is not the absence of fear, but the willingness to walk towards your fears in pursuit of something that matters to you. And what I want to say is keep leading, keep inspiring and keep empowering women to take better care of the greatest asset they have, which is their health, well-being and vitality. Brida Birmingham, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Mark, for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com.